Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do men say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the powers of death shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Amen. Time was running out. The experience of the cross was looming on the near horizon. Jesus knew he was going to die. And evidently he thought it was time that he had his disciples draw some conclusions as to who he was and what he was here to do. After all, they had been with him now for more than two years. They had seen him operate. They had listened to him preach. They had even helped him to perform miracles. And now, now he thought it was time for them to change their observations into beliefs. And he wanted to help them to systemize their thinking and to come to the proper conclusions. So he took them on a spiritual retreat to the area of Caesarea Philippi, and there he tried to garner all that they had learned and to form it into some systemized conclusions. And he did so by asking them the question, Who do you say that I am? Now whenever Jesus asks that question, be it 2,000 years ago at Caesarea Philippi, or be it this Sunday in Bakerstown, or wherever, the Spirit of God is speaking today. Jesus, by the power of his Holy Spirit, is trying to help us this hour to draw some conclusions as to who he is and what we believe. When Jesus asks this question, he's saying more than just seven words. I think when he asks the question, Who do you say that I am? He is trying to get us to realize that just as in his day of the flesh, so in this day of his spirit, there are differing opinions and ideas as to the work in the person of Jesus Christ. It was true then, it's true today. Not all people agree as to the nature of our Lord. It's too bad, that's why we have division. But nevertheless, it's true, and Jesus wants us to know what we believe about him. 
There are some people who have the opinion that Jesus is merely a messenger of God, that's all. Just a messenger in the tradition of John the Baptizer. You know who that was. He was the, the man who wore the, the camel's coat hair, or coat, camel's hair coat. Double service, folks, it's tough. <laughs> he was the one that had the strange appetite of locusts and wild honey. He is the one who came with the thundering voice of repentance. He was the one who brought a message. He himself said, according to John's gospel, that he was not the Christ, nor was he a prophet, that he was the messenger, and he came as a voice crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. Many people today think of Jesus merely as an ecclesiastical Western Union boy who brings a message, a, a somewhat ecclesiastical or spiritual policeman who comes with a message that really is not very welcomed, an individual who comes demanding a tremendous amount and restricting us more than we want to be restricted. I know many people who believe that the message of Jesus is very simple. It's merely shape up or ship out. Go to church every Sunday, look holy, and for goodness sakes, don't have a good time. And they identify Jesus with a message of doom. And they stay away from our Lord and from his church simply because they have the opinion that Jesus then and now is nothing more than a messenger with a message of doom from God. Then there are other people who think, no, he's not a messenger, he's, he's, he's a man of God. A great man of God who lived a long time ago but did a tremendous amount of good on this earth. They like to think of him in the tradition of, uh, of Elijah and, and Jeremiah or one of the other prophets or to bring it closer to our time. They like to think of him as being like George Washington or Abraham Lincoln or Albert Schweitzer, a good man who did many wonderful things and taught good truths. Oh, Jesus was a great teacher. Jesus was a good man. But he gave to us, ladies and gentlemen, far more than just the golden rule. We're very grateful to him that we're to do unto others as we would want them to do unto us. But that's not all Jesus is to be known for. Jesus came down to the face of the earth, yes, to show us God's interpretation of how man is to live, that he did more than that. He was not only human, but he was divine. He came to show man what God is like. And you see, that is what Jesus wants us to realize, that he's just not a messenger from God, nor a great man of God, but rather, in the words of Peter, he is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. You either see that or you don't. Jesus came here on the face of the earth to be different than anyone else. To be in the likeness of God. As we say at Christmas time, he 
is Emmanuel, which means God with us. He is God incarnate, or as the Gospel of John says, he is the Word made flesh. And when Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, he really didn't have full comprehension or understanding of what he was saying. Peter hadn't gone to theological school, nor was he trying to make a philosophical principle. He was trying to explain the inexplainable trying to define the undefinable. He was trying to tell us what no word can tell us. He was trying to give us a formula which escapes complete description. He was trying to tell us that Jesus is God. That never again Will there ever be, just as there never has been in the past, anyone like Jesus? He's the Son of the living God, the Messiah, the Christ. And that's what Jesus wants us to realize when he asks us, Who do you say that I am? He wants us to realize that there are different, different definitions, and people hold different opinions, but... If we're going to identify him correctly, we must call him the Christ, the Son of the living God. And I think Jesus has more in the question than just that one concept he wants us to catch. He, he wants us also to realize that the most important personal question that anybody will ever be asked is that one solo question, what think ye of Christ? That's the most important question that anybody will have to answer in life. And every one of us will have to do it. Yes. We're to do it here on earth. And it's the contention of Jesus himself. Loving, understanding, tolerant, always ready to forgive Jesus. It is his strong arbitrary and I'm sure for some far too restricting teaching that he alone is the Christ Jesus to quote him says I am the way the truth and the life nobody nobody can go to the Father but by me it is the contention of Jesus Christ and this is what makes the Christian church unique and people hear it and listen to it and believe it it is that Jesus Christ is Lord and that Christ is the Son of the living God. This is what it means. And you either believe it or you do not. And it is Jesus' contention that whether nations, countries, individuals, or institutions stand or fall, rise or crumble, remain or fall apart, will depend entirely on how they answer that one question. I think there are evidences in the Holy Scripture that when we go to the other side, may I remind you that There'll be a time when every one of us will have to go to his eternal reward. 
No one of us, thank the Lord, thank the Lord, no one of us knows when that day will be. For some of us, it might be this very week. But when we get over there, we're going to be asked a question. And that question will not be, what are your total assets of your bank account back on earth? No. You'll not be asked, what positions did you hold on earth? What honors did you achieve and were given unto you? The one question, the one question we will be asked, what think ye of Christ? And that one answer, together with the works which do follow us to see whether or not they confirm or reject the confession that we make, will determine where individually, where and with whom we shall spend eternity. That's why it's the most important question that you'll ever be asked, ever. We, according to the Bible, live on this earth three score years and ten, some more, some less. But seventy years in the sight of eternity is not very long, ladies and gentlemen. And the decision as to where and with whom we spend forever and ever and ever depends on how we answer that one question. And God wants us to know that. And that's why Jesus, when he says, Who do you say that I am? He wants us to realize the importance of that one question, What think ye of Christ? And then I think he wants us to know when he asks that question that if we do not confess Christ as our Lord and Savior and the Son of the living God, there's very little, if anything, that God can do for us mm -hmm. other than create us. But you see, that's the key. It is when, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can say, under the grace of the Almighty, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, and I believe in him as the Son of God. That is when God can bless us. It's the same way you see it was with Peter. Jesus said unto him after he answered the confession, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto you, but my Father who is in heaven. And then you see, he has, was given at that time the blessing of salvation. If you and I are going to know that our sins are forgiven, that they have been washed whiter than snow, that we are people who are loved and forgiven and our sins are forgiven and forgotten, and we can be people who throw our shoulders back and move forward in love and of understanding, knowing that our guilt has been paid, it is only when we say that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, the Son of the living God. Jesus came in the presence of God and by God's grace to die for all of mankind, but in essence he dies only for those who believe that he died for them and has the ability as the Son of God to be the Savior of each personality. We don't have the church or the blessing of the church without that confession of Jesus Christ 
being the son of the living God. Yes, you see, that's what the church is. And ladies and gentlemen, we need to be reminded of it, especially those of us who are associated with a prosperous and a full church. A church is not a building, nor is the church a group of people. But the church is a group of people who meet in all sizes of buildings, but who are joined together in the one affirmation that Jesus Christ is Lord, the Son, and the only Son of the living God. That's what makes us unique. That's what makes us different. It's upon that foundation that we are built, and if we stand on that foundation, even the gates of hell will never be able to prevail against us. And mark you this and listen closely, that when a church begins to crumble, and I mean a national church as well as an individual church, it will usually be because leaders and people forget that Jesus Christ is Lord and that the foundation, the only foundation upon which we can build is that cornerstone that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. When we confess that, you see, we have the keys to the kingdom. We have the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And without that confession, you see, there is nothing in this world and beyond it but a great big mystery that is locked behind a big iron door. But when you have Jesus as the Son of God in your belief, you have the keys that can unlock that door and which gives to you an understanding in the mysteries and a faith that is filled with love. And even more important in these days in which we are living, with the confession of Jesus as the Christ, the Son of the living God, we have the power, the power for the two things that we hear most being needed in the world today, security on the one side and liberation on the other. Yes, that's the key in the confession of the power of Christ, of who he is. I may be wrong, but I don't think so. And as I study what is happening sociologically, politically, theologically in the country and throughout the world, I hear two voices, and I see people being divided in one of two camps. On the right, which is over on this side of you, we have people who are calling for security, people who say we have lost our mooring people who say that we have to go back and look again at the foundations, that we are a people who, who have to go back to the rock from which we have been hewn, that we are people who must stand on those things which are secure, and they're looking for power through security. And then on the other side, you have a group of people who are saying, no, the answer comes through the power of liberation. They feel imprisoned. They feel choked to death. They, they've got to have air, freedom. They're, they're, they have to throw off some of the old things to become the new person. And you have our country and our nation and so much of the world going to one side or the other. And the thing that the church must make clear is that Jesus Christ, he is the power for both. 
He is the one who gives us the power of security and the power of liberation. It is through God's Son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God, that we can find through his teaching the ability to keep bound together those things that are meant to eternally stay together, and we can loose those things which must be loosed if there is ever to be freedom and complete salvation. That's it. Without that confession, we only spin our wheels. No matter how much money we spend, how good we sound, or how hard we work, all will be to no avail unless we do it on that strong foundation which says that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. This is Palm Sunday, and we're thrilled with the great crowds that have come here to worship twice today. We know that this is a very busy time, but may we remember what it's all about. This is Holy Week. And this is the beginning of Holy Week, which is such a precious season to the Christian. This is the time when we revisit the upper room, Golgotha Hill, and the empty tomb. This is the time when we relive the experiences of Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, and Easter morn. This is the time when we reclaim the power that we have through crucifixion, through resurrection, and through the sacrament of Holy Communion. And this is the time when under the Spirit of God I believe we are called to rethink, rethink, who do you say that Jesus is? Who do you say? You see, this week can just pass like any other week. But for the Christian, this is the time when we take stock of who we are. This is a time when by the power of the Holy Spirit, as we wait upon him in prayer, we begin to revisit, relive, and be renewed as we remember what this week means. And may we remember that on that first Palm Sunday, people in those days together with the little children, weren't they cute? They waved palm branches, they sang their hosannas, and as we did in our mighty processional, they said, crown him, crown him. That was on Sunday. And by Thursday and Friday, some of those people were shouting, crucify him, crucify him. They were fickled people then, almost as fickled as we are now. They lived in a fickled age, much like our age today. Ladies and gentlemen, let's not make the mistake that they made. Thursday night and Friday night we'll be here in worship in unique services. Mr. Bruder has suggested, so may I add, my request that you pray for a great moving of the Spirit in these very unique services. And as we meet again next Sunday morning to sing the fact that Jesus Christ is risen, this is a great time in our lives, and it's a moment when that Jesus who marched into Jerusalem 
wants to march anew into our lives. Please uphold, please prepare, please expect something to happen in your life. Those of you who have already made the confession of Jesus Christ as the Son of the living God, this is a time when we rejoice and we renew that faith. If there are some of you here who have never made that decision, you never quite knew what it meant, and you feel that you're being led to make it, lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be them ever lifted up, and let the King of glory come in. O Holy Spirit, come and visit us, and let us know your presence so that we may sing aloud and say, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen. Father, we are a most blessed people, and again by your providence you have allowed us life here on earth to experience another holy week. May it be a week that is filled with holiness. And Father, prepare us so that when we gather around this table, when we experience Golgotha Hill, when we come and are surprised anew by the great fact of the resurrection, we may be people who live in the power and with the confession that Christ is Lord and that we belong to Christ. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of his Holy Spirit be and abide with you all now and forevermore in this great time of our lives. Amen.